Friend, I want you to know that if today's episode resonates with you, my immersive teaching, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, is for you. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful to see if enrollment is currently open or get on the wait list for the next time we open doors to welcome new members. I'll put that link in the description of this episode as well. It's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. You are welcome here and this teaching experience will change your life. So you are welcome in advance. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. This weekend, I was sitting outside going through my phone, closing out. I don't know if you do this, but I have so many tabs open on my phone at all times in my Safari or whatever explorer of articles that I want to read that I'm not going to slow down in the moment to read them, but I would like to come back to read them later. And yet I do not come back to read them later. And then they build up until I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I got to deal with these. And I was noticing a theme in some of them. A lot of times for me, it's things that I think I, this applies to my work. This applies to what I teach. I want to sit with this. I want to think on this. And I noticed that multiple of them were what culture would say, incredibly beautiful women, speaking about the fact that they never really feel beautiful themselves. Kristen Davis was one from Sex and the City, and she said something to the effect of, you always look back on younger photos of yourself, a a previous time in your life, and think, I looked great then. But of course, you never appreciate it in the moment. You never think so in the moment. And I thought, that's so sad, this idea that what you're realizing is that in hindsight, you had enough. You had plenty. You had the option for peace, joy, happiness. But what you're saying is that you will never choose and live out those emotions. It will only ever be in hindsight that you realized you could have felt that way. And another was Megan Fox. Um, To be honest, she's a celebrity that I don't really know what she's known for. um, And I'm not particularly familiar with her, but I know she is iconically beautiful and has what would be considered in our culture a great body, et cetera. And she had shared that she has body dysmorphia. And she never likes her body. She's never at peace with her body. She doesn't see her body the way everyone else does. And I thought these two women who I concede are prettier than I am, have better bodies than I am, are more beautiful than than I am. Like I am well aware by cultural standards that because they are famous at what they do, we know that with what their roles happen to be, that society finds them and has validated them already, that they are beautiful enough, thin enough, young enough, you know, whatever it is. And I just had this realization sitting on my balcony. I thought, I feel more peaceful in myself than these other two women that on the ranking of the invisible staircase, as we talk about and what makes women feel beautiful, should be higher than me, should feel that more than me. But we know throughout that teaching that it is not factually how you look. It is mentally how you think and how you feel, which is not to discount that we have these things on the outside and that we have these rankings and that people are judging bodies, judging booties. It's not to discount any of that and say that we're making it up. But we have the proof from so many beautiful women who do not feel it. We all would say they look beautiful, pretty, ideal, but they don't feel it. And I had this weird moment where I was like, it feels cocky to be sitting here and thinking, I actually think I feel a peace in myself that these 
women don't feel and that they should feel more than me because they've gotten this external validation and that it feels odd to say I feel more peaceful because it sounds like a cockiness of thinking I I look great. I think I look amazing. Every photo I see of myself, I'm like, gosh, she is stunning. Or I just, I look at my body. I'm like, my body is great right now. I am so happy in it because I lost that weight and whatever. Because we're so used to hearing women complain and feel insecure. I think really more than complaining, I should say feel insecure about do I look good enough? Do I look thin enough? Do I look young enough? How does this body part look in this? We're so used to that narrative all the time that for a woman to say, I'm actually not really struggling with that sounds like cockiness. It sounds like I have incredible confidence that I look so good when it's really a piece that says, I'm just really grateful. I I'm grateful to have a healthy body. I am grateful for what I do have. I'm grateful that I am confident in my style and I know how to dress. I'm grateful that I've turned the volume down on how much I analyze my body. It's not that I'm saying to myself when I see myself, you look so good. It's not that cockiness. And I think we have those archetypes from over time in media of the popular girl in school who looks like she knows she looks good. She knows she has a good body. She knows she's one of the prettiest ones. And there's a cockiness. We don't normally, I can't think of any characters I've seen where what was conveyed was just a peace and a gratitude and that lack of insecurity. It may be present in characters, but it doesn't get discussed. It's just we don't emphasize the way that C.J. Craig from West Wing looks. We just get garner that she feels pretty confident in herself, but she never really talks about it. So we, if she did, if she was like, actually, I feel a lot of peace in the way that I look. Would we not initially associate that with cockiness? Because it's almost like the audacity. It's almost like because most women are portrayed as so insecure in these small, subtle ways, and because most of us struggle with this so much, that for someone to say they're not really struggling with it all that much sounds like how could you possibly be that evolved? that you wouldn't be struggling with this. Then that's not to say that I never struggle with this or that I think there are people that are that never struggle with it, but to hear that this is a core thing that incredibly successful women are saying they struggle with. It's noteworthy. You realize that most women reading that article are thinking, Oh gosh, thank goodness I'm not the only one. Cause I too, every time I look back at photos, I think, why did I not appreciate my body more when I was 15 or 25 or 35 or 45? Why did I not appreciate that? But you know, just like Kristen, we never appreciate it. As opposed to being like, I don't want to keep living like that. I don't want to keep not appreciating it. And what I realized is that in June, it hit me that I'd had kind of this third phase of peace within myself. And the first and second phases I talk about extensively inside what makes women feel beautiful, and I won't go into those for sake of time. But the steps of how I got to those first two phases are inside the teaching. That is what the work is. And if you want to be feeling more peace in your body, more peace in your style, more peace in what you are spending money on or not spending money on when it comes to your clothing, your beauty treatments, all of those things. I am teaching a keynote or I'm giving a keynote speech next week for just the second time only exactly on this topic. And what I want to chat about today is why I so badly want you to come to that keynote, what the results are of 
swimming in this world, in this teaching that I have been in for the last 10 years and more deeply for the last two years. And that the deeper I go into it and all the levels and elements that I add onto it, the more I experience a breakthrough and a healing. And I want to keep shouting from the rooftops every time I reach some new breakthrough because I realize we don't know how to imagine that something could feel better than it does right now if we haven't previously felt it. If you if your body feels well, then when you get the flu, you know this is not feeling good. You know that this level of energy, this level of aches and pains is not how you would want to live the whole time. And so you become focused on healing it and knowing that you do not want to stay in this. You don't want to exacerbate it. You wouldn't do whatever things to help yourself heal more and move forward back into that state of feeling your best, feeling good energy, feeling lack of brain fog, all of those things. And yet there's so much in life that if you don't know what it feels like to not be burned out, to not be easily triggered, to not be really obsessed with your body and your beauty and deeply insecure and so often thinking about these things, we really can't envision, we can't even cast the vision for what would that be like. And I don't think we have a lot of archetypes when I realize how often we're hearing the opposite and seeing the opposite in how some of these most beautiful women are constantly still Photoshopping themselves, even though they spend full time and they have all the experts and all the money and all the access in the world to be as young and thin and well-dressed. And yet they still get called out. It just seems like it's such a constant thing right now for Photoshopping their images. That's what we're seeing every day. And so subconsciously, if you're seeing another article, another news story, whatever about another celebrity that did this, it's telling you, oh, there's never rest. There's never peace. It's never enough. I could do this full time. I could be a millionaire, a multimillionaire, a billionaire, and I still would not feel peaceful in my body. No woman woman feels peaceful in her body. And especially someone like a Kristen Davis, who I feel like I don't know. I guess I just like Kristen Davis. I think the association with early sex in the city, it's like, I want, I think it's really beautiful that she adopted children on her own. I don't know. I just, I like Kristen Davis. So I want, and she's older than me. So I'm sort of looking to her as you know, as someone who is wiser, um, the journey of aging and beauty and all of that. And yet I realize, oh wait, she actually isn't she isn't an example in this. And I do not mean that in a negative way. I don't mean I'm judging her for that. I have so much compassion. I am so grateful that I did not grow up on camera, exalted as one of the most beautiful women. Like that is such a hard, hard road um, for actresses. I know that from my past as a professional dancer, and I'm so grateful that that's not my world anymore. Um, but I have compassion for her and realize this is the story that I'm hearing all the time is so many women talk about not feeling peaceful. And then it puts in my brain that none of us feel peaceful, that that's not even something to really be aspiring towards. And there was recently bruhaha over the fact that the original supermodels, Christy Turlington and um, Cindy Crawford, those women were on the cover of Vogue. And some people were celebrating that these older women were on the cover of Vogue. But then on the other hand, they were heavily Photoshopped. And so people were like, this isn't really a win for aging. <laughs> this is just a win for Photoshop. And you realize that's the subconscious messaging that's out there. You're allowed to age. You can still feel still be beautiful if you age as long as you are so flawlessly airbrushed that that's not what any of those women look like in real life. And so we hear these subconscious notes all throughout our day. And I don't think, and that's why I want to have this conversation today, I don't think we ever really sit for a long time in what would it feel like to really have peace in your body? 
And I realized four signs in June that I had sunk into this deeper level of peace. And I hadn't noticed. They came out in June because that's when I launched the um, first cohort of women that I welcomed into the What Makes Women Feel Beautiful experience. And I was having so many conversations with you in DMs about where you were at, where I was at, how I had healed through, through this teaching and this journey and how it would help you. And because I was talking about it so frequently, I started to realize things that because the volume had been turned down, like when you are in pain and you have previously felt better, you are aware that you are in pain. But when you slowly start to feel better over time and it's really subtle, you can often not notice just how much better things are going unless for some reason you're reminded of a time that they were not going as well. We talked last week about running into someone from my past and kind of getting this real sort of time travel leap to think, gosh, was I insecure then and interesting to not feel as much of that in myself today. And by contrast, observe this other person that still seems to have a lot of that insecurity. So now I realize that isn't just something that comes with aging. You know, I think a lot of times we also read that people talk about like, oh, aging so much better because you care less in your 40s, you care less in your 50s, you care less in your 60s. But then you can run into someone who's in one of those age demographics and deeply insecure and realize it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just come with aging. It comes with intentionally working to make your life better. And so I realized these four areas that I'd had healing in. I was thinking about it today because last night I was at the U.S. Open, and that is a place, if you know my story, I worked the U.S. Open for many years as a cocktail waitress, and it was a U.S. Open tennis tournament here in New York City. And it was the worst job that I ever worked. I absolutely hated it. I felt so small. I felt like people were rude to me. I would have to like eat my dinner sitting on the dirty steps with like people walking by because there weren't any chairs to sit on. Just like all these little things that I just felt so badly about myself when I was there. And I launched my business as a personal stylist. I officially launched my website in the midst of working there my last year. It was kind of this declaration of like, I am I am moving on up. I'm going to feel more empowered in the world. And so I've been to the US Open since then. It's always a really powerful time for me to go back as a guest reflect where I'm at in my life. But this year, it was incredibly special because one of my oldest uh, best friends was working, had a suite there for their company, the law firm that they work for, and had two extra tickets offered uh, them to Jeremy and I. And so I was able to go in one of the suites, like the high-end seats or whatever, which is where I worked. And I'd never gone back to a suite. I mean, the suites cost like, I don't know, thousands of dollars a ticket or something. I wasn't going to be shelling out that money on my own. I was just happy to go and be a guest in the stadium. But last night I get to go and be in a suite. And so this is very emotional for me. When I found out that he was gifting, gifting us these tickets, I started to cry. I just thought, okay, God, thank you for giving me this experience. My last time in New York for right now, last time for a while to go to the U.S. Open and to kind of be leaving New York, really having this kind of next level experience of like, I am actually one of the customers I served and I felt so far from them at the time. And now I am actually back and among them. And I would would think that it could be very common in that case when you know you're going to go back to, you know, your high school reunion or the place where you felt the lowest, that small town, whatever it is, that you could almost put more pressure on yourself, especially if you're around people you feel like are going to be judging you, which was my memory from that time. Because again, these are very expensive tickets. So these were people with money. These were people well-dressed. These were people in a social class above me. And so I would have expected that I would get a little bit more insecure getting ready, putting together an outfit for what to wear because I really want to look like I fit in. Because again, noting, I'm thinking these people are here because they have money or they are 
high ticket clients of companies that have money. Like there's really affluence there. And I'm getting invited because my friend works there and he's gifting me free tickets. You know, I'm not there because I am a success story. I'm just like getting in the back door because I know somebody. So in those times, historically, I usually feel incredibly out of place and I've felt more insecure. Like if I'm in a very fancy hotel where I'm not spending money to stay there because I, I don't couldn't afford to spend the night there, but I'm just eating dinner there. I will feel a little bit more pressure. Like I want to look like someone who would be wealthy enough to actually stay here. I don't want to stand out as someone who's at the cheaper hotel down the road and just here for a meal. And I've shared that before on stories and had so many of you respond like, I would not have thought, Hillary, that that's how you feel. That's absolutely how I feel. But I see you as someone who belongs there, which is so interesting because I am not the person who's spending $2,000 a night on a hotel. I do not belong there, which as an aside, I wasn't even going to make this point, but it's interesting to think what makes you think and feel that I belong there. It may be the way that I dress and the way that I carry myself, which is just what I have taught myself, which is what's inside, what makes women feel beautiful. I mean, I, you know, came from my dad's a college professor. My mom is a stay-at-home mom. And like, I come from a very normal middle-class upbringing and we barely even stayed at hotels. We mostly like house sat for friends growing up. So staying at hotels was not, you know, a part of my lifestyle and certainly never staying at fancy hotels. And so that still feels to me like I am an imposter. But I wonder if you see me visually as fitting in because of the way I've taught myself to dress, even on a budget, even when I was you know, feeling heavy for my body size, et cetera. But last night, I realized in getting ready that I was very relaxed and chill about it. I like pulled a couple of outfit options and then one of them I was maybe going to wear, but it was black and white and Jeremy's outfit was navy. It was incredibly hot. So there was like not a lot that he could wear that felt nice. It was like 94 degrees, super humid here. And so I was like, ah, if he's going to marry navy, I don't want to wear black and white. So I just put on this other dress. And um, if you are in what makes women feel beautiful, it's actually the dress that I break down all of the reasons why I bought it and like my thought process through it. And we talk about not analyzing our body, the the one with the pockets. Um, it actually is that dress. And so I put on this dress. I have, if you are watching this eventually on YouTube, when we launch our YouTube channel. Um, I have a huge zit on my face from my period. It's like way worse than the normal uh, blemishes that I get. And I was definitely aware pretty quickly on that my concealer had worn off and I had this big pimple on the side of my face. It was so humid. I don't even get frizzy hair. I don't have curly hair, whatever. My hair was so frizzy. I was conscious, like, this is not me looking my best and feeling the most glam. But I didn't feel insecure about how I looked, what I was wearing. I just felt so settled. I felt very grateful. I felt very peaceful. And I, I noticed those words. You know, when I talk about hearing Megan Fox or Kristen Davis talk about this insecurity and thinking or realizing, I actually don't feel that way the majority of the time right now. And realizing that's not cockiness. It's not confidence even. It's peace. It's being settled. It's being grateful. It's having perspective. And I think that is this new third level that I feel like I unlocked after two years of deeply researching the next level of what I've been teaching since 2011, but knowing there's, there's got to be a deeper level that I wanted to unlock for myself and therefore pass on to you. And that's why I sunk so deeply into the research and ended up creating what makes women feel beautiful. But the four things I realized changed back in June. Number one is I focus on my body less. As I was talking to you and exchanging voice messages and DMs, I realized I just don't look in the mirror as often as I used to. And I don't mean I avoid eye contact with myself where I'm thinking like, oh, don't look, you're not gonna feel good about it. I mean, I just don't 
analyze myself in the mirror as much. I don't analyze my body as much when I put on an outfit. I don't analyze my face as much as far as wrinkles and things like that. I don't analyze my body as much when I'm you know, getting, getting dressed, getting in and out of shower, all of that. I just have turned the volume down on that. And it was especially noteworthy to me because right around that time we had someone in the group who joined and as many people have, many students have shared over the years, struggles with intimacy with her husband, who she loves, has been married to for like over 20 years. Um, And yet so many women are so insecure in their bodies that even in safe, committed relationships where their partner even is being supportive. And unfortunately, I also had conversations with those of you that feel like your partner is not the most supportive in their comments. And we talk about that um, inside the garden party. But even when your partner is being supportive, you are feeling so deeply insecure. You are so overanalyzing your body and how it looks, even with your most intimate partner. I realized also right around that time, a close friend of mine went on a first date from online dating and then the guy didn't want to, I don't know, he didn't follow up again or he didn't want to go out again. And the first thing that popped into her head as she's sharing this with me was, I wondered like, am I heavier than I was in my photos? If you and I were, if could both look at this woman, you would understand why I was like, this is insane. Even if this friend's weight fluctuates, it's five or 10 pounds. No man is noticing five or 10 pounds. There is no way. I have been your friend for forever and you have not looked any different for years. There is no way that these photos, now to you, you might be like, oh, I think I'm like three pounds heavier. That is not registering to anyone else. So the fact that the first place her mind went was not, maybe he just didn't feel the chemistry. Maybe he didn't feel like our lifestyles aligned. Maybe he's still hung up on his ex. The first place her thought went was, let me overanalyze my body and my beauty. That is likely the problem. And when I just realized that how often I hear these stories that by comparison in June, I realized it's not a conscious choice. It's not that I said, okay, I'm going to stop looking in the mirror so much. I'm going to stop analyzing. There's a real difference in our health and healing when we have to consciously tell ourselves, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to start doing this more. I need to set reminders on my phone. I need to put post-its on my mirror. I need to habit stack. I need to, amazing, wonderful. That's how we break through. That's how we heal. But is there something in your life where you used to have to work on that and now you don't? Maybe it was like, I don't know, maybe you cut sugar out of your diet or you stopped smoking or whatever it is, you start stopped using some word in your vernacular and you had to kind of consciously think about it for a long time. You had to resist it. And now it just doesn't even occur to you. It's just not appealing anymore. You, when you think about it, you really haven't done that in quite a while. It just subconsciously became my reality that I just am thinking and focusing on my body less. That's what happened when I walked myself through what became what makes my men feel beautiful. The second thing that happened is I started moving my body more. And this one is so fascinating to me because I, if you've been a longtime listener of the program, you know I have so often struggled with moving my body. I just have never been in a regular practice about it. I've never been good about it. It's always been something that I've struggled with. And for the first time, the last day of February, I went down to the gym in our apartment building And I started to move my body, not to change my body, but to heal my burnout. Truly 100%, the motivation was exclusively, I am on the verge of losing my ish. We were just about to get our surrogate match. There were all of these things going on. This was before my brother-in-law even had his accident. It was just a wild spring. and. I was like, I know from my research into healing burnout that the endorphins of moving your body are the fastest, easiest, instant thing that you can do today. There is a lot more to it than that, but that is one thing. And I just thought I'm being a hypocrite if I know this and I teach this and I'm not doing this. So I put on my shoes, laced them up, went down there and started working out. And it was the first time 
I have ever gotten into a workout routine where it didn't even occur to me to take a before and after photo. When you hear me talk about peace in my body, you may think, well, she's thin. She has a small body. So of course she has peace in her body. Let's go back to the beginning and look at Kristen Davis and Megan Fox. Both of them are thin women, are beautiful women, have great figures, et cetera. That is not enough. That is not what it's about. If you could see my camera roll and the amount of before photos I have taken over the years, every time I tried some new cleanse, some new eating regime, working out, and I'm constantly thinking, maybe I will be able to flatten my stomach, tighten my arms, tighten my butt, all the things. And it didn't even occur to me because that wasn't the motivation. The motivation was not to change my body. It was, I don't mean to be cheesy to be like, it was to change my life, but it was to like stop feeling so miserable and insane and chaotic and to, to function, to be able to not be on my last nerve, to not feel like anything was about to be the straw that broke the camel's back. And that was my motivation for going. And I realized that in doing that, I wasn't I wasn't being hard on myself. I wasn't pushing myself to have some sort of results. I wasn't ever I wasn't ever looking to see do I look any different? I was going off of do I feel any different? Do I feel more peaceful? Do I feel more rested? Do I feel less stressed? Do I feel like my nervous system is more healed? My teaching isn't called what makes women look beautiful. It's what makes women feel beautiful. And I was make was noticing is am I and my life feeling more beautiful? And that does have to do with aesthetics inside the the teaching. The outside absolutely matters. We are not delusional that we live in a society that pays attention to these things, cares about these things, affects us in work, affects us in romance, affects us in our confidence, all of that. Yes. And So much of it is on the inside and isn't just about how we look on the outside, but how our life looks, our schedule, our thoughts, our mindset, all the things. And because I wasn't actively looking to see if it looked different, I didn't feel the need to be hard on myself. I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't putting this pressure that I needed to be changing my body. I could feel pretty quickly that I felt better. And then that made me want to go. Because normally your body doesn't change real quickly in five days of going to the gym, right? But can you feel mentally and energetically better in five days? Yeah. And then you feel the difference and it what feels good, it, it feels good to feel good. So you want to keep doing what's feeling good. So you keep sticking with it. So I've been the most consistent that I've ever been over the last, I don't know, what is that? Seven months or something? Because I was focusing on feeling better, not looking better. And again, this was subconscious. I never said to myself at the time, do not take before photos. This isn't about, I I didn't have to consciously tell myself not to care about that. I just subconsciously had turned the volume down on that and turned my attention more to how is my life feeling overall. The third thing that it changed is I bought less. So I've shared that I went on a shopping freeze in quarter one. Um, I just decided like I'm, I just sort of realized I'm sort of always open to shop and I've never really been an over buyer, an over shopper, but I am always sort of looking. I frequently would like order things. I would hardly ever end up keeping anything, but I was spending the time buying and returning. And just as I was trying to simplify my life and, um, I just thought, what if I just go on a shopping freeze? Like I've got everything. It's winter. When do I really need? I'm not really leaving the house. I don't really need anything. I was going to shopping freeze for like three months. And then without really thinking about it, it just continued. I've barely, we're in September now. I've barely bought any clothing all year and I haven't felt lack. I haven't, again, I largely have not been anymore making the conscious choice to not do it. 
I just kind of realized it wasn't bringing my life that value, much value. And I didn't really need that much stuff. And it was kind of a lot of time that I was spending looking at online stuff, then ordering it, then trying it on, then returning it. And I just kind of got all that time back. And I was like, actually, this feels kind of great. And really got enough in my closet. Like I'm not constantly getting the dopamine hit of newness, but I'm not walking around, you know, with nothing to wear, nor am I just miserable being like, I have two dresses and I hate them both. Like I'm fine. I've got enough stuff in my closet. And then I realized that that carried over into just other areas of less buying. I, a friend of mine, said, she was like, I really, I, I so notice it when my Botox is worn off and I just do not like my face without it. And I realized I don't know when I did Botox last. And by the way, this is nothing against Botox, nothing against anything that makes you feel beautiful. <clears throat> totally on board for it. But I just realized I, she's analyzing her face. And I guess I just haven't been analyzing my face because I, I can't tell you the last time that I did it. And I don't mean as in like it's been years, but I just genuinely can't remember. And it's just not on my radar that I need to go back after this certain period of time. I actually had said to uh, Jeremy, I was like, are my roots growing in? Like, I'm not noticing them that much. We were doing our, um, <clears throat> like our gender reveal photos. And I was like, maybe I need to get my hair touched up before then. But I'm just not as conscious of the fact that my grays are coming in or my color is fading out because I'm just not analyzing myself as much. So that the the buying, even in other areas of my more holistic beauty, has decreased because I'm just not as focused on it. And then the fourth thing that I realized as I've been processing this over the last couple of months is that if all of those areas went down, if I'm spending less time focusing on my body and I am spending more time working out, moving my body, but then I'm spending less time shopping, then, then what is the more, what is the spaciousness that this has opened up? If you think about how much time you spend right now analyzing your face, analyzing your body, thinking about what you're going to buy, thinking about what you're going to do, feeling insecure, overthinking, second guessing. What are you doing when you get rid of all of that? You have all of this time. You have energy. You have attention. You have focus. And I realized that my mental health is better because of doing all of this work of what makes women feel beautiful. Because what have I been doing instead of online shopping? I've been journaling and reading books and listening to podcasts and things that are really helping me heal and grow and move forward. And I've been calling my mom more often and I've been going out and playing more with my husband and enjoying New York City. I have more time because I'm not going to as many appointments. I'm not buying as much stuff. I'm not spending all of that time. And I'm not spending so much time overanalyzing and being insecure that last night at the game, I'm just more present enjoying the moment. Because I was just realizing this morning, I really didn't think, what are any of these other women thinking about me? And again, mind you, this is going into a scenario where I should be feeling like everyone else here has more money. Everyone else is cooler. Like I'm just the, you know, the friend of the friend who got in, but everybody else is here because they have a super fancy job with like a big budget and make a major corporate and all of this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, Tay Diggs was in our suite, which is a whole other story because uh, my friend who got us the tickets is my uh, best friend from high school. We were music musical theater kids together. And uh, he texts me. He's like, Tay Diggs is, uh, is here. And I show it to Jeremy. And he's like, who's that? And in my head, I was like, Adina Menzel's ex-husband from, from Wicked, because um, they met in Rent. And I was like, yeah, none, none of this is going to convey to my non-musical theater husband. So I just didn't answer the question. I was like, I don't actually know how to tell you who this is. I'm just going to go back to playing tennis. But like, you know, fancy people are there in the suite. And I'm not feeling 
insecure because I'm not thinking about how I look. And again, it's not because I'm thinking I am the best dressed woman in here. I am the best looking woman in here. It's not that. It's that I, and I'm emphasizing this so much because of what I said earlier, when we haven't felt better in something, if you've always had the flu and those body aches, you don't know what it's like that your body could just not hurt. If you've always felt insecure in these settings and been thinking about your, your frizzy hair and your pimple. And again, I'm not saying that they don't cross my mind when I go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh my gosh, my hair is really frizzy. And this pimple is 100% red. And I, but I'm like, I don't know what I've brought a whole bottle of, of foundation to put over this. Like that would have been heavy in my purse. Like, and then I just was like, whatevs, it is what it is. But that's not the main thing that is consuming mine. Even though I'm seeing an old friend, he's in from out of town. I haven't seen him for forever. We're taking pictures. I'm meeting friends of his. You know, it's not like I just was in my little bubble and nobody was was observing me. Like I'm catching up with a dear friend I haven't seen for forever. And he's introducing me to friends of his. And so I just thought, wow, this is amazing that I am being so present because my I'm just subconsciously more at peace in this area. And friend, if you were listening to this, realizing I don't have peace in this area, I am often insecure. Please come to this keynote that I am giving next week. The link is in the description. But the research of Brene Brown, we'll talk about this more, shows that body image and appearance is the number one area of shame for our entire gender as women. You are not unique. You are not um, in the minority. This is common. The Kristen Davises, the Megan Foxes, the majority of women are in this camp. And when I'm saying that I'm not there right now, I am not saying it. Like, I fear that it can sound like, must be nice. Must be nice is what we say when we're like, you have such privilege that I will never be able to get there. But friend, what I'm saying is that everything I've done, I put into a program for you. I put into an immersive teaching. Exactly what I did, you can do. And if you don't know my story, this is as someone who had very problematic relationship with their body as a professional dancer, was one of the heaviest and was constantly afraid of being fired, of being not rehired. I mean, my job, my dreams were always on the line and I wasn't delusional. I was one of the largest ones in my uh, my cast. People really were getting pulled aside and talked to for this. It was definitely a thing that was on my Broadway tour. It was definitely a thing in Rockette world. I mean, women were just constantly talking about weigh-ins and body measurements and so for me, as someone that that is my history, this has not been just an area of privilege for me because of my body and my career, that to be at this place in my life, and it's not because I'm not starting to age and I'm noticing more, you know, more wrinkles, more sunsets, more sagging. It's not because I'm in the prime of like, my body is the best it's ever been. It's not. It's not. I'm accepting that I am aging. And all of those things that I'm wrestling with and yet, and working through, and it's not perfect every day, and yet there is a peace and a gratitude. There is a freedom and it is available to you because if I could find progress and healing in this area, Every woman can find progress and healing in this area. It may look and feel different for you, your version of what progress is, your version of what healing is, because this is so unique and deeply personal, but it is here for you. And I want you to know, because I want everyone to feel this freedom, I want you to know that it works, that I am my best exhibit A and that I am unaware of any other teaching out there in my 12 years now in this industry that covers so many holistic angles that isn't just teaching you how to dress or teaching you 
how to work on your mindset or teaching you. I mean, there are so many different levels and layers in this. I'm unaware of anything that has come all together. And I've read so many of the other books and teachings that are out there that are, you know, New York Times bestsellers. And I get to the end and I'm like, that that didn't do it for me. I'm I'm in, I'm a little encouraged, but I don't really have a map and a path. And that's what I set out to cultivate. And I am just preaching it from the rooftops today because I do not want you to live another season, another year feeling like this. And I'm just amazed at how I continue to feel it. And again, I don't say that from a like cocky place where you're like, oh, good for her that she has this healing. Friend, it is a welcoming and inclusive place because I'm like, it's better. Friend, it's even better. Like, Sarah, it's even better than I knew. Emma, it's even better. Like, Shekinah, it is even better since the last time we talked about it. You've got to do this. You've got to get in this world and heal this number one area of shame and insecurity for our gender so that you can be the Hillary that is now telling the women in your life. You too don't have to live like this. You too can feel better. There really is a path. I learned it from my friend Hillary. And like, you're you're welcome to, to come on in. Like, there's no limit to the number of women that can join us in here. And it is so inclusive and it is so freeing. And I, again, I have so much compassion for these incredibly beautiful, successful talented, wealthy women, our actresses, our models, our you know, people that we see in culture. I have so much compassion for how often they either say in interviews or convey in their photoshopping that they don't have this level of peace with their body and their beauty. And we can deeply respect them for their talent, but we also can realize we actually have the privilege that we are not living at the top 1% of needing to be judged for our bodies and beauties. I no longer am a dancer needing to stand in front of you know, floor to ceiling mirrors along all these other thin women and be judged for our body. I'm not in that world anymore. And if you are not an, an actress competing against Kristen Davis and Megan Fox for their specific roles, then you aren't in that world. If you are not being trying to be competing with Kim Kardashian for likes on Instagram, then you are not in those that world. So when we see and hear those women talk about it, we can say, I am so grateful that I have the privilege that that wasn't my life path, that I don't run in those multimillionaire circles that uh, I'm not having to spend $50,000, $100,000 a year on dermatology treatments and all of these, these things to keep up. I, I, I'm, I'm hanging with Hillary. I'm hanging with women that have the freedom and the option to get this healing and teaching and wisdom and to feel better, to feel more peaceful, to feel more grateful for everything that we really do have and to allow that to be the dominant emotion. Even on a day, like I said, with a giant pimple and humidity frizzed hair that you are not necessarily feeling your best and yet you're going and just enjoying the moment and really reflecting on where you're at in your life. And I just want that for you so much. And I am so honored to be able to hold the space to open up another session of this sooner than I was expecting now, knowing that I have a baby coming in uh, the spring and be able to journey through with another group of you women so that I can help set you free in the same way that I fought like hell to set myself free over the last 10 plus years so that you then can show other women that this freedom exists and that we can get to a place where for us, Brene Brown's research would say, this is no longer our area of shame. We have somehow bucked all of the patriarchal Western beauty standards conditioning. We're not falling victim to it anymore. We have found a better, healthier way out. And when you've lowered the volume on your number one area of shame, it lowers the volume on all those other areas of shame. 
Friend, this is the core issue. If this is the number one, this is the linchpin. This is the first domino you knock over. And once you heal this, everything else in your life gets better. And I am feeling so grateful today to my past self for knowing, for believing, for hoping that it could feel better and spending years digging into the research to find a way through for us. And I cannot wait to share it with you. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is something that I just read this morning. Coco Gaffa said, staying on the U.S. Open tennis, which is totally where my head is at. I'm loving watching all of the matches this week because as much as I loathed that job that I worked for so many years, I did get to watch phenomenal matches at center court for years, and that really instilled a love for and respect of the sport. And also we're watching Breakpoint, the Netflix show, which is really great going behind the scenes and giving all of the uh, the personal stories, which of course I love. So Coco Gaffa, number six ranked American woman. I believe she is 19. She's having a phenomenal US Open. And I was reading an article where she had said that she was very successful as, as a young player early on, having some great success. And she was hard on herself that she wasn't further along. She wasn't making more progress. She wasn't getting to new stages yet. But then she took a look at the most prolific players, the players that were having the most success, that were winning the most slams, or maybe that had from previous generations. And she realized that most of them, I want to say the age was like 22 to 26 was when they peaked. Now, Granted, we are talking about a very specific sport, right? This isn't life. This is true in many sports that there are very young ages at which people peak and we don't have somebody coming along at 55 and, you know, making a making a run to win Wimbledon out of nowhere. But in this specific microcosm, at 19, she had been feeling behind from what her goals were and where she originally started out and what was expected of her. And then she shifted her mindset to realize, maybe I haven't grown into my like womanly power and wisdom yet. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put words in her mouth now, but I feel like what she was realizing was, I am not the best version of myself yet, and that's not going to come for a few more years. There's gonna be more wisdom. There's gonna be more life experience that gets me to that place. And that's why I more often and seem success at that point for other people. And so I am going to keep working hard. I'm going to keep pursuing what I want, but I also am going to be patient. I also am going to readjust the story that maybe I'm not behind. Maybe I am a little bit ahead. I am ahead for what it is to be at 19. Now, again, in real life, we don't have to have such narrow confines of ages in something like you know, women's gymnastics, women's tennis, et cetera. We, we tend to have these very specific times when it has to do with the, the body performing at an elite level. But I loved that wisdom from someone at 19. And I think doesn't that apply? I mean, when we talk again about, I might look at someone like Kristen Davis and think she's she's older than me. I think she seems like a lovely human being. I think she should have, I guess, more wisdom than me in this area. But realizing, age aside, what if we realize, I, I'm not at my peak yet. Whereas Kristen is saying, looking back, Gosh, my body was good in my 20s. Gosh, my body was good in my my 30s. Gosh, my you know, my face was really good in my 40s. Like I wish now that I in my 50s in her case that I had felt better about it then. Where you're looking back to say I peaked back then. It was better than I realized it was. And what I'm loving today is this idea of what if I haven't yet gotten to my best? If I haven't yet peaked and even as I, Hillary, write these you know, notes to have this conversation today and think, I'm feeling really good in my, my body and my beauty. I'm feeling like a peaceful gratitude, not a cocky confidence, but I'm feeling a peaceful gratitude. And 
this is pretty cool. I've never had this before. But then I hear Coco's wisdom and I wonder, how am I going to feel in another three years? How am I going to feel after I have a baby and am looking at the world through their eyes and am picturing their life experiences as they age? What happens when I go deeper in some teaching, have some different life experience? What if as healthy as I am feeling today in this area as I talk to you, I too, not even what if, this is fact, I too don't know what the next level of feeling better feels like. This could be me still having a mild version of the flu. I might not be, I am likely not. I am positive that I am not the most healed and healthy version of myself that I can be. Now, because Coco's goals are about trying to achieve your know, grand slam success, that her, she is going to have reached a peak. Her, her peak is not going to be when she's 50. Like it is going to be somewhere, you know, in her early 30s at the most. Because Kristen Davis is someone who is on camera, who is hired because of her beauty, she she is probably right. That like those days were behind her for the apex of her career as a specific kind of actress who was hired for a specific kind of role. But that's not true for us in life. There is no time at which in evolving in our relationship with ourselves, our inner peace, our mental health, our inner wisdom, there is no reason that that would be better at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, that you couldn't actually have an even more peaceful relationship, see your body and your beauty as even more beautiful at 60, at 70, because you're looking at it through a different lens. You're playing a different game. Coco is having to play a game that literally has to do with how you know, how many miles per hour your serve is, and the body is going to physically break down. Kristen is playing a game where we have these Western beauty standards in our television, and she would not have been cast as Charlotte York if she wasn't an exceptionally pretty person at that time. But we're not playing that game, friend. We're not playing that game. We're not playing to compete with Kim Kardashian for Instagram likes. We're not... uh, competing with, again, I don't really know. I, I, I mean, no disrespect. I just genuinely don't know. I'm not conversant in Megan Fox and like what she is um, famous for or known for, but the parts she's trying to get or the modeling gigs or whatever, like we're not in that world. I mean, maybe there are some women listening who may be a model and therefore you are in that world. And I've been there. I've been there as a dancer, but I believe since you're listening here, that you also know that's not your entire world. It's not your entire existence. And therefore, you know that's one part of yourself and there's so much more, so many more ways that you can and will feel fulfillment and evolution and peace and joy and confidence and delight in who you are. And so I'm so grateful for the wisdom that I'm picking up in little nuggets. I'm reading an article from a tennis player. And because I have this awareness of I get better, it gets better in a world in which it tells us that because of aging and bodies, it's really not getting better after your mid-30s or whatever number. The world is telling us this, but my experience is that it is getting better. And Coco's realizing her mindset shift can make it get better. And I would wish for someone like Kristen that she could realize it actually, it's better. I like who I am and my life more. It's only because I'm in this world where I have to keep being confronted with older images of myself and people want to know why I don't look like the way I did on Sex and the City because I was 20 years ago. Of course, I don't look the same. So I'm grateful for wisdom, friends. I'm grateful that we are evolving. I'm grateful we are getting better. I'm grateful that you and I, neither of us know what it feels like yet to be the best version of ourselves. But I can tell you the next step to start 
is to join us inside What Makes Women Feel Beautiful. That, as I said, will be the linchpin, will be the domino that knocks over and unlocks everything else. Heal this number one area of shame and experience what it feels like to feel better living in your skin, in your head and your heart and your thoughts and your mind. It is delicious. I hope that you have found this episode equally delightful and inspiring. I would be so honored if this speaks to you, if you would share this episode with anyone you know. If you do so on Instagram, please tag me and let me know what stood out to you uh, so that I know what is resonating. I'd be so grateful if you would leave a quick review on the podcast, tap the stars, and encourage other women that the way we talk and live and think here as a part of the Dean Street Society community is something that we want more women to be a part of because as we all become kinder, the world becomes kinder and we want a kinder world for ourselves and our kids. So let's invite more women to be part of this conversation. So I will see you back here next Wednesday for the continuation of our conversation and over on Instagram and Instagram stories in the meantime. As always, you're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.